Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. I'm excited to have Sarah on this week because I was on her podcast and we got to spread some love, share some love, do some podcast swapping. And I love it so much because it helps each other and we get to have their expertise, their specialties on my podcast. It's easy for me. It's great. So Sarah, not to take away the thunder, introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, Well, good morning. Yeah, I'm so excited that you reached out to me. And yes, you were on my podcast. So uh, my name is Sarah Bello, and I live here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I actually am in the ad tech um, industry. So full time, I I work in um, ad tech media for a company out in in, uh, Silicon Valley, but I do a podcast and that's how we met. I have, I host a podcast called Pretty Simple Sarah, and we'll kind of get into why I started it. But it's been pivotal for me and for my mental health. Um, and I love it. I get to meet people like you. So it's awesome. And I love that you added that part. You know, we'll definitely get into why you you started the podcast and what it has done for you. I definitely have found, you know, people ask me, Ellie, how do you juggle being a therapist, a father, a husband, and have a podcast and all these things? I always say the podcast gives me so much energy. It gives me so much passion and drive. I have so much fun with it. Yes, editing is annoying sometimes. You have to juggle your schedule and make things work for other people, but it's really enjoyable to talk to like-minded, motivated people um, who it's just great. It's just great. So let's get into it. How did you get into it? How did you start with the podcast? What has it done for you? Yeah. Thank you, Ellie. So yeah, I, um, about two years ago, two and a half years ago, I was running around. I was traveling a ton. My poor husband, I had little, little kids was really holding down the fort um, and taking care of our young children while I was traveling and working. And I was out in LA for a work conference and I got a call in the middle of the night from my brother um, that my dad had suddenly passed away in his sleep. And it's ironic because he was a heart surgeon and he died of a heart attack at a young age. Um, and it just rocked my world. And at that moment, I'm out in LA, I'm by myself traveling. My family's not nearby. Mm-hmm. And I felt so alone. And I thought, what am I doing with my life? Like mm-hmm. I am traveling. I felt absent. My husband said, even like, as I was going through all this, that I was just became robotic. I became just this working mom that was just like, I have it all together, but I really didn't. Cause I was almost numb inside and just wasn't recognizing all the simple things in life. Um, And it was after I gave his eulogy, I thought, gosh, I have a voice. Um, And people came up to me after the the funeral and he had like 500 people at his funeral. I mean, it was just, it was just this moment that my siblings and I were like, he was such a legendary man. I, that we all have a little piece of him in us and we can continue his, his legacy. And so I started a podcast and it was called pretty simple Sarah Um, And it was an opportunity for me to speak with people like you. um, And to your point, that would give me energy outside of the rat race that we call life. And it really helped me. And so that's what started the podcast. And I'm, you know, 50 plus episodes in and I interview people all over the world. And it just is my jam. It's what gives me um, excitement. I'm so like today, I'm going to have energy all day long just from speaking to you because that's the power of podcasting. I, and, I, and I love the topic that you talk about. Um, and the, the main focus of your podcast is the idea of simplicity, simplicity of life. And I think in the, the day and age that we're in, um, like I grew up in the 90s, and I think that's simple, you know, um, you know, going outside, playing, you know, watching cartoons, like all those simple things that we, we took for granted. The world is so loud. 
and we're pulled in so many directions nowadays with our cell phones, with all the content and stimulus that's around us all day, every day. How do you create a simple lifestyle nowadays? Well, that's a great question, Ellie, because it was definitely a journey for me. It didn't happen overnight. So once my dad passed away, I came home and I thought, I got to clear out all the stuff in my house. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't need all these things. And why are we holding on to these things? And I realized to cleaning up my house that it gave me more clarity with my kids and my house became more purposeful. Um, and we got rid of the, some of the kids' toys that they just weren't playing with anymore and clothes that I weren't wearing. And so, I mean, I donated, it took me a full year. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like my first thing is that I did that. Um, And then I started paying attention to my kids. I mean, there was moments where my husband, he, I would always be cooking. I would always be the doer. And I think that's really hard for parents is that we're like, I got to do the laundry. I got to cook. Oh my gosh. I got to go check this email. I got to do this. And so in the evenings we started, I started being more present at dinner. I started going out and playing with them in the backyard or mm-hmm. jumping with them on the trampoline or taking 15 minutes to play soccer with them in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they only need 15 minutes to have a memory or create a memory or give them attention. And, and then I started taking my kids on date nights, which was so fun. So, and it wasn't just a date. It could be during the day. So I take my daughter to go get her nails done. And she's, you know, she's was, so we started this when she was like five and then my son, it was just to go get ice cream or even running errands. I'm like, you're going to go on a date with mommy today. Hmm. And it, that attention to them, they just, they just loved it because I was a busy working mom and I always had an excuse when I was at home. So creating those moments with them gave us both time to kind of step away from all the distractions. And I think if, if, if all the listeners are, are kind of focusing on what you're saying, um, it's not the fact that you can't enjoy li- living a simple life does not mean you don't enjoy your life or things in your life. It doesn't mean you can't buy things for yourself. It doesn't mean you can't eat nice thing, nice foods. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy the world that we have around us. It's the mentality about the world. It's really the, the outlook and the perception of the things in our life. You know, there's a family that I know in uh, the area that I grew up in Long Island, where the parents do this really awesome thing like yourself, where they, I think they have four or five boys. I'm not sure exactly. And they set, I think it's once a month or once every two months or once every three months, whatever it is, or every quarter of the year, that they have a date day with each child. The mom does certain things with the kids and the father does certain thing with the kids because they're working parents and they're really busy and they want to let the kids know in a correct, loving way, I care about what you want. And it's not what the parent wants. Um, and I love your idea also of making errands a date. I think it's fun for the kids. It's fun for you. It creates this environment of, oh, we're not just going shopping for food. You're also spending time together and let's make the most of it. But they also pick the things that the kids want as well. So if the kid loves to go to laser tag or I don't know, I don't know why I thought of that or bowling or a sports event or something that these boys want to do, they do it every couple of months and it's just them together. And I found that so amazing. And uh, can you can you kind of maybe delve a little deeper on what it truly means to live a simple life versus maybe what the um, the perception of simplicity might be? Yeah, and I think that there's some blurred lines there because I think that there was a trend where everyone was talking about minimalists and like only having five t-shirts and that sort of thing. And that's just I realized was not obtainable for me. Like 
you know, it's just, it it isn't. And like our kids need to have certain toys and that sort of thing. But for me, the simplicity of it was, um, prioritizing myself, my health, my wellness, um, starting a routine really helped with the simplicity because for me, I would just get overwhelmed by things. So the more I prepared for it or the more that I, um, made an agenda, it made things simpler for my mind Mm -hmm. because my mind, my monkey mind is always going. And so I think it was really setting a routine for me and my husband and my kids, Mm -hmm. um, really kind of helped that. And it wasn't just about the things, the things helped like clearing the things out helped. Um, and it's emotional. It's very emotional for some people. Um, and I, and and I can't say that that is for everyone because it's also about your personality. I think I just a naturally just a very organized person, but the agenda has really, really helped me, um, and prioritizing myself. And one thing I, I really fail at Ellie, and I'll just be completely honest is help making time for my husband and I, because there's so many other things going on. So we just scheduled a date night for two weeks out just because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to do it. And I've been really trying to do that. And this is another funny thing about going back to simplicity is even with my husband and I, it's just having time alone to talk without, I call them the ginger squad because I have bright head, redhead kids. And so if the ginger squad is in the room, we cannot have a full conversation. So what we do is we've been taking movie night and we've been having the kids move inside into the bonus room or where else, where else. And then my husband and I've been having cocktails or just like a drink or just like, you know, even water. We'll sit on the back porch and talk. I love everything you're saying. You know, there is this move to being like minimalist and for some people, great. That works for you. For some people, it doesn't. I have so many t-shirts. My wife would, my wife makes fun of me how many t-shirts I have. I just like being comfortable. I like options. It doesn't mean I don't live a simple life. I'm not extravagant. I don't have the craziest jewelry. My wife doesn't like, you know, we're not spending so much money. We're living on the things that we need. Yeah. Do I, do I need 20 t-shirts? No. Does it make me happy? Yes. Is it that expensive? No. I, you know what I spend my money on the most? Books. I'm a therapist. I read all the time to be up and up on new things, trends, ideas, concepts, you know, and the thing about the couple I find so powerful, whether my wife and I actually follow through on this plan, Tuesday nights, um, where, when I used to work at a clinic was my early night that I ended. Um, and my wife and I would work out Tuesday night together. I think taking a walk, you know, sitting outside and just talking, you know, you and your ginger squad, you know, I love that name for kids. That's so funny. <laughs> but my daughter's almost two years old and she's a handful. And when the time is when we put her to bed, seven o'clock, seven thirty, you're so drained from working a full day. You're so tired from being a parent. And you still have to then just start again with getting everything ready for the next day, taking care of things that you have to take care of for your life and and your and yourself individually for your jobs, and then trying to spend what it is, 10, 15, 20 minutes with each other. And I, I think the simplicity of that is you don't have to have this extravagant, crazy date or ridiculous idea to be so romantic, to sweep someone off their feet. All it could be is a 15, 20 minute, just talk, just being with each other, each other, cuddling, having a cocktail, having your favorite cup of tea together, sitting outside on the porch and just chatting about the day. And it, the simplistic 
uh, perspective is seeing that for what it is, seeing that for being a date, seeing that for being a moment for each other and not just looking at it as a normal day occurrence, but making that a moment that you remember. So when you de- do, when your tank is low with each other, oh, we did it last night. We spoke last night. We had a time together. So it's those things I think that is really the beauty of simplicity. It is taking the simple things in life and making it elevated, making them important. You know, I grew up in a household, which I didn't realize was not a thing of having dinner together as a family every night. We waited for my father to get home. He was able to get home at a normal hour. My mom worked till I think part-time most of my life till two o'clock. And we sat and had dinner together every night. And I thought that was normal. It is not. People don't do that. That was such a simple thing that my parents did, but we all got together. So I love this idea of simplicity. It really is a beautiful way to live. And with that in mind, I want to jump to something you touched upon, right? The agenda of the day, the anxiety and worry, right? Before we, you know, when we were planning out, we're going to talk about, you touched upon anxiety and perfectionism. I think those two things are extremely linked. Can you kind of talk about what you went through with anxiety and perfectionism and how that can be detrimental sometimes to your life? And how how you found maybe some success in it maybe. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because that's something you and I talked about when you were on my podcast. I think that there's this, I love this word stigma. My friend, I'm stealing that from my friend, Ariana Vargas. But um, Shout out, shout out. She has a great documentary. I think she's up for some awards. Yeah, she's out from some awards right now. Yeah, you guys, Google stigma. We're chatting. Ariana and I are chatting. We're we're trying to work together. We're figuring it out. I love it. See, that's how we all help each other out in this world, right? Um, but there is a stigma around mental health. And when I, I didn't realize it, but with my first daughter, I had postpartum anxiety. And then with my son, I I mean, it was twofold because I had moved from Chicago. I had a second baby. I'd had a career change. It was just, I mean, talk about life changes. So the postpartum really hit me and it was, I mean, debilitating. Um, and I had to just fess up to my friends and everyone else that I couldn't sleep at night and my anxiety was out of control. And I think it's something that I still deal with. Um, but when I am, I think, I think it's really, really hard because no one wants to talk about it too. Um, but I deal with it on a daily basis. You know, when you self doubt, all that stuff. And it goes hand in hand with depression. And for me, it's like, oh, I don't think I'm sad, but I'm anxious, anxious all the time. And I have high energy. And some of the ways that I cope with it is running. I run a lot. Um, I think it's me being outside and um, just kind of burning off some of that energy um, and the breathing part of it really helps me, mm-hmm. but it's something that I've come to terms with. And I'm very, very open about on my podcast that I, yeah. I deal with anxiety. And I think that it's really, really hard for people to do that, um, to just openly say, I deal with anxiety and how normal it is. It is so freaking normal. I mean, like you've talked about it before you had anxiety when your daughter was born yep. and like people just don't talk about it, but it's so normal. So normal. And I I love that you're bringing it up that way. I think there is this pressure um, not to get on a whole rant here. um, Cause I could talk about this for a while of parenting. There's pressure of relationships. There's pressures of social media of this idea of looking or being perfect of, of having it all together, right? The wonder woman, mom, the super mom, the super dad who, Usually the pressure's on the mom to be super mom. 
Um, whether it's, uh, I'll say it, I'll say it honestly here. There's a lot more pressure on moms to be super and perfect than dads. If a dad just shows up to a game, oh my gosh, best father ever. Right. But the mom has like taken care of snacks and cooking and cleaning and all the other things of the gender, um, roles that have been pushed on, on, on society, which I don't fit into. We both share, but what I'm saying is there's such a perfectionistic society that we're in specifically with social media right? The perfect social media picture, the perfect quote, the perfect post, everything has to be so good. And I remember during COVID when everything started and all the parents were posting about the amazing things they're doing for their children. I kind of looked around and went, I'm not doing this for my child. I'm not making a scavenger hunt in my home or a, oh, she's also one. Uh, she was one at a time, but like, that's not realistic sometimes. So I think the society as a whole and the people are always trying to one up and be the best. And it makes other people feel bad if they can't be there, but doesn't mean that you have to be there just because someone else is, you have to try to be the best that you can with the simple life, with the perspective of I'm doing what I can in my power. Yeah. And it's so hard. It is so hard. And I'm a recovering perfectionist. I still am. I mean, I never, I never heard anyone call call it that. I I like that a lot. Yeah. Recovering perfectionist, because there's moments where I want to be perfect, but this is what I realized. I always want to control what I can control. And I think that stems from Mm. coming from a divorced family. I didn't have control as a kid. And so as I got older, I always wanted to control my surroundings. Now, the thing about that is I have to really, really be careful in my house to really stay on my own lane when it comes to perfectionism. Yes. Yes. I can decorate the home. It can be clean. I can do whatever. Do I, should I fight with my children on what they're going to wear? No, like just let it be, you know? And so that is a daily challenge for me um, is to not control everything. And my husband (laughs) says, stop running the house. Like you're running a business. Mm -hmm. And I have to daily work on that because I do not have control over everyone else. I can only control my own surroundings and certain things. Well, you know, I love vulnerability and honesty on this podcast. It's who I am. I love that a lot. And I really appreciate you saying that. I think we all have that recovering perfectionism. I love that term um, because I think we all like things a certain way. It doesn't mean you have OCD. It doesn't mean you're anal or weird or off or annoying or crazy. Um, Even though I hate that word crazy. Um, I think we all have things that we like a certain way. I like certain things to be in order. I like my coffee to be a certain way, right? I like my food to be cooked a certain way. I want this, that, and the other thing to be a certain way. And that's the word that I keep using is I, right? I want it. I need it. I like it. And when we start taking our eyes and projecting it on other people, that can get a little hairy and frustrating for families and for couples and for, and for parents, right? If my wife wants to do a certain thing for her getting ready to in the morning routine, but I don't like that because I wouldn't do that. Does it matter? No. Who cares? If she wants to do this first and the other thing second, go for it. You know, we we have a conversation about how we want to raise our child, you know, when it comes to getting her in the middle of the night or how we deal with getting her dressed. And there are some days when my when I get my daughter dressed, my wife comes home and she goes, that doesn't match. I go, well, I put it together. I thought it was great. Did it hurt She's the dressed. kid? No, she's dressed. She's wearing clothes. She's ready for the weather of New York. No one cares. I'm not a, she's not a fashion model where people have to look at what she's wearing. She's a cute little baby. She's yummy. So it doesn't work. So this jean doesn't match that shirt. 
She's wearing she's wearing pants. She has a diaper on. She went to the babysitting. We, we check check check. It's all good. Now, if my wife dresses her and she wants her to look a certain way, I don't have to say anything. Good for her. She's doing that. And it's all about that perspective of I might do it differently. And as long as everyone is safe, healthy, and well, great. But that's so much harder said than done. Because when you have an outlook on how things should be in the household, whether it's dishes should be a certain place or cleaned a certain way or organized or things should be put in this place versus that place, in the big scheme of things, does it hurt people? No but it is hard in your mind to see that happen and you can't do anything about it. Thousand percent. So I really appreciate you opening up the floor to that. Cause that's really hard for a lot of people. Yeah, it is really hard. And, and something to think about too, is we're all a work in progress, right? I'm not perfect. I really am not. Um, perfectionism is not inspirational. And I have to remind myself of that all the time. Um, and I'm constantly working on things between my my husband and I. You know, it's a marriage. I mean, it's just you're always every day is a challenge and parenting. Um, and I'm not perfect. And I think that we all need to give ourselves a little grace when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and try and try, this is the hardest part for me is to try not to think what other people think. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, so hard. So hard. And that was the fear when I started the podcast or when I I just did some rebranding recently in the past couple of weeks or so. Um, I was so worried about, will people like the the logo and the cover art? My wife looked at me and she's like, does it matter? You like it. I like it. The graphic designer liked it. Your family likes it. You know, your friends that you sent it to like it. What's the problem if a random person in, in, you know, Oshkosh Bagash or somewhere random. I know that's a store, but yeah. I, I use always use that for random town somewhere in America or in the in the world. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> and I want to touch upon something that you you were going to talk about and you touched on a little bit that you know the perfectionism part. How we have to start being okay with probables and things not being certain, the uncertainty of life, which is so scary. And the idea of uncertainty is that it's inevitable. We just don't know things 100% in the world. Will things be okay? Will things not be okay? Will my job be here tomorrow or will it not? Will there be a pandemic? Will there not be a pandemic? We didn't know that was going to come. I'm not getting political here if we really knew or not, but I'm just saying, we didn't know it was going to be the way it was going to be and how it was going to impact us and the scariness of it. So how do we embrace that change? Because uncertainty is change. That's anxiety inducing. That's the what ifs. That's the worries of the world. So you talk about this a lot, embracing the change that happens, marriage, parenting, right? Your marriage when your first five years is different than five to 10 or 10 to 12, right? So how do you go with the flow with that change and try to be consistent and simple and have a positive outlook when change hits you in the face? Oh my God. Change is so hard. It's the worst. It is the worst and it brings anxiety and you you're, feel like you're out of control. And for me, change is really um, trying to get yourself into a routine. So like when we moved to Nashville, I started going to a coffee shop, you know, to be like, okay, this is my new home. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to go and join this gym with these group of women. And this is, you know, again, going back to that routine, that agenda really, really helps with change Um, because there's so many things you cannot control with change. And particularly this year, I mean, I know a lot of people who moved, you know, out of the city or moved somewhere else or, 
you know, they were working for. I home. moved in with my parents this year. Yeah, exactly. I left my apartment. It was a waste of money to be trapped in an apartment versus being with family during COVID. I would never have made that change in my life as a 30 year old male married with a kid. I would have never moved in with my parents in the, in any dream or thought I ever had. No. And I love that you said that because when you, that was a change, you embrace community. And I think community and having some sort of an agenda or routine really, really helps with that. So I remember when I moved, I grew up in Kansas city, but I went to school in Chicago and I called my dad and it was two months of going to school at Loyola in Chicago. And I call him up and I said, I can't be here. Like I can't do this. And he said, Sarah change is hard. Stick through it. And I started getting a bigger group of friends and it became more normal. And so I think you have to give change time, but also create your own routine because that gives you comfort mentally and physically in order for you to adapt to that change. Everything you're saying is perfect. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a great, a great example. And I think one of the biggest things that you're talking about with change is change is going to happen in all walks of life and everything we do. And it's important about creating a structure that we know we can live within amongst the change. So when something happens, someone dies, right? You move, you get a new job, you have a new kid, right? There's change that happens automatically to your life, to your values, to your systems, to your connections, to your community and the world that we live in. And there are some things that you must have and you need to keep yourself grounded and you put those in your agenda and your schedule. You put them in your weekly, monthly, daily routine that keeps you like um, foundations of a house. It keeps you pillared or attached to the ground. That if I have this in my day, I know I'm going to be great or do the best that I can, even though the world around me is spinning. And I think to create that mentality to, you know, when you move, there's new stores, new locations, new streets, new community, new things that you don't know. So it takes time to familiarize yourself with the world around you. But as long as you create that infrastructure of things that you know are consistent from where you were before to where you are now, things will work out. And Mm -hmm. I think it's very important to have that, you know, going from zero to one kid that changes a lot as a couple, as a relationship, as a family, going from one to two is really scary because you've been used to the one kid and you know their routine when they wake up, when they go to bed, what this crime means, what this thing means. The second kid could be totally different than two to three supposedly is very easy because no one cares about it uh, at that point. Um, Just kidding. Everyone should care about each child. But um, uh, in the end, it's a really exciting thing, but really scary. So to create those pillars that are consistent from where you were to where you are and letting everything else kind of fall into place with time, I think is extremely important. Um, And, I think the next thing is to not be so rigid with yourself yeah. where you were to where you are now is different. Uh, even in your life, even in a year to a year to be so rigid with your expectations of that won't be very helpful. It doesn't mean you have to be loosey goosey, flexible and all over the place and let, uh, you know, things go to the wind, but you can be, give yourself a little bit of, of leeway and some slack to be able to give yourself time to adjust. Yeah, I completely agree. So I love what your father's. I think that's important. And, and change is scary in the beginning. Every change is scary. When you go to college, when you get married, when you have a family, when you start a job. I started, I'm starting a new job right now. I'm very, um, it was very scary. The rules are different. The policies are different. The clients are different. The hours are different. It's something to get used to. 
But once you get used to it and you hit your stride, it takes a little bit. Um, you know, and I really appreciate these like three things that are really talking about kind of coinciding together is simplicity, the anxiety and perfectionism and change. And I think it's a really important thing for people to hear and actually listen. So if no one listened until this point in the podcast, which I really hope you did, what would be one or two takeaways that you would want someone to listen to if they didn't hear anything else? Oh gosh. Okay. Um, give yourself grace, right? Every day something's going to happen. So you need to just roll with it and not explode when something happens, when something bad happens, it's really a good thing. Embrace it and learn from it. Mm. And also simplicity can have so many different facets in your life, but I think, um, really kind of focusing on your family. And right now, I think for me, I'm in this moment where my kids just, they just want my attention. Mm -hmm. That's all they want. Mm -hmm. And maybe I don't want to play Barbies, but I'll sit on the couch with my oldest and I'll scratch her. And that means the world to her. Mm. So for those parents out there and working parents, people who are busy, take 15 minutes with your kids or date your kids, do something like that. And that really is what summarizes simplicity to equal happiness. I love that. You know, I say this a lot, very often, maybe too much, but I say it a lot is that if you can't find 10 to 15 minutes for something in the day, if you're looking for that thing for yourself, for someone else, 15 minutes a day is not a lot. Um, Cause I promise you, you probably have been scrolling on your phone for more than 15 minutes. You've been watching that TV show or movie a lot longer than 15 minutes not that I don't scroll, not that I don't watch TV and movies. I do as well, but there are so many things that you can accomplish in 15 minutes, whether it's reading your favorite book for 15 minutes before you go to bed. You can read a whole chapter in 15 minutes, maybe two, depending on the book. Whether it's sitting down before bedtime or in the middle of the day to call your best friend or your parents or your siblings or your spouse or partner and just having a 10, 15 minute conversation. Hey, how you doing? Checking in on someone. Whether it means 15 minutes with your kid, putting the phone down, all the technology and focusing on that moment. That is simple. It's a lot harder than, than it seems. It's a lot easier than it seems. It's pretty, pretty easy to just put your phone down for 15 minutes and truly focus and be with someone or be with yourself for 15 minutes. And I really wish everyone the best of luck to try that. I know it helps me. I know you love doing it. Um, and where can people find you on social media now that we had this chat? And we're talking where, where, you know, where can people find you? Where are you at? Yeah. So I'm pretty active on Instagram. I do a lot of stories. So it's pretty simple, Sarah podcast, and then pretty simple, Sarah.com. And then, um, if you search on Facebook, I do have a secret group on Facebook Ooh. where I, I post things and it's pretty simple, Sarah Nashville. So you can look there, but I'll, I'll send that all over to you. So you can add that to the show notes, Ellie. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I uh, really appreciate it and wish you all the best of luck with everything you're doing. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. 
And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at the dude therapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at the dude therapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what makes this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week and see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast. We've got more guests and more great content coming your way.